Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and my cast is as follows. C. Thomas plays Oka Hien, an Osamar Bloodhunter. Max Guo plays Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra Artificer. Erica Flaidlin plays V. Scherzo, an Elf Sorcerer. Valiant Dorian plays Vasca, a Yuanti Bard. Hamna Shahid plays Jaron Cotter, a Dragonborn Rogue. Dare Hickman plays Gentle, a Triton Monk. Quinn B. Rodriguez plays Sitlali, a Changeling Cleric. And Austin Knight plays Abiku Ishtar, a Reborn Goliath Ranger. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include death, grief, complex and complicated relationships, romance, flirting, references to sexual entanglement, and manipulation. Arc 6, Episode 12. Carve Your Own Heart Out, From Your Life, by Andrea Gibson. A crowded parlor. Cigarette smoke. The shuffling of bone on felt. The low murmuring of strategy, bluff, small talk. Dim lights cutting through the haze. A man's eyes blue as ice, his thumb rubbing the ivory of a mahjong tile. Sievert smiles at you, V and the mist clears, and it's just the two of you across a table, playing a game of risk and reward. And then you blink, and your head is on his chest, and his heart is beating, thrumming through his ribcage, slow and steady, the warmest part of all of him. A breeze whispers through a cracked window, chiffon curtains rustle, a hint of pollen swells through the air, nice and cool, against your skin. He's tracing circles on your back with his finger, and his breathing is deep and even. And then you blink, and your hand is gripping the edge of a cliff, and your body is hanging into an abyss, and the world is cracked open with betrayal. Sievert stands above you, limbed in crimson light, but he's not laughing like you remember. His face is still and motionless, like a painting's, like a memory refracted in amber. And then you look down, and he looks down, and you realize together that he's bleeding 
a red wound spreading across his chest, directly over his heart, dripping down his torso, past his belt, down his legs, spilling blood into the hole you're hanging over, and he's crying, and his shirt is stained, and he staggers backward away from you, and your fingers slip, and you fall, and you reach for him, and then you blink, and you're awake in a bathtub. Water warm as blood pooling around your arms, and Rev is there, holding you, going, Hey, hey, V, v Vasanti, are, are you okay? You dozed off, and then you started crying, and then, is everything okay? No. I... I can't believe he's dead. <laughs> I know, I know, it was so recent, it was so sudden, but hey, it's, it's over now. Okay, he can't hurt you anymore. I thought I was going to feel better when he died. And 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 you will. I know you're you're in shock. I get it. It's any kind of death is is huge. And I mean, you've been chasing his for so long, but this was the right thing to have happened, V. This is what you've been working for this entire time. Is what we've both been working for. You made the right decision. Okay. I. Do you promise that it was the right decision? And through the water, uh, Rev takes your hand in hers and holds it firmly, looks you deep in the eyes, V. It has to be the right decision, V. It is. I think with that, um, V takes a moment. You just see her, like, quickly take an inhale and like slides her head for her full body down into the hot water. And she just like, like holds Rev's hand under the water, like close to her face. And then like, is only down there for a few moments and then like comes back up, water just cascading down her face and her body and still holding Rev's hand. Like it's the only thing tethering her to Andaki at this moment. I don't know what I should do next. Why don't you just, um, why don't we just take it easy? Yeah, maybe take a little bit of a break. Just walk around, look at the snow and birds and stuff, like a Biku would suggest. This, this has been a really long time coming, V. You, you deserve a break. I doesn't, I don't feel like there's time. My father's here in front of us and I have been waiting for this for all my life as well and I there's the uh, strangers coming and we, we don't there's no time Rev there's no time hey 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 we can spare a day okay 24 hours 24 hours to just relax I think V uh, kisses Rev's hand and moves closer to Rev, like kind of laying on the edge of the tub, and says, just please for this day, don't, don't leave my side. I need you here. Of course. Of course, I'd never leave you. Uh, and Rev, I think, holds you, like sort of 
hugging you from behind and as like the water I think like sloughs over the lip of this like massive claw footed tub and we see now that this bathroom is like huge it's like more of almost like a like a sauna or like a, a steam room than anything and there's like this huge tub in the center and the water just sort of sloughs off and drains through just pores coming out of the the rocky floor around you and the entire space here is a wash and mist and haze and warmth in the middle of the dead of winter and she just holds you from behind. I'm here, V. I'm here, and I'm not going anywhere, okay? That I can promise you. And I think there's no words, but only just, like, you can... Rev feels V's body kind of convulsing a little bit, and she can probably tell that even though she can't quite see V's face, which is, like, nestled into her, uh, V is crying again, which has probably been on and off for since the past few days. Mm-hmm. And you, you just, I think, hear Rev continuing to whisper very comforting and supporting words as she, like, sort of kisses you from behind and holds you close. Uh, and I think, like, as the mists in here thicken, right, everything sort of turns opaque. And when they sweep away, we find a biku. Uh, in a common room, let's say, this is quite a large, I think, rounded chamber uh, filled with these beautiful ancient art pieces, as every single chamber and hallway in the Iron Citadel is. Um, let's say maybe you're like sitting underneath like a huge painting of some like long forgotten war scene uh, from the Thousand Year War. It's like a very like heroically done version of like draconic mages and gigantic mages facing off against each other, right? Like very like Renaissance almost, like with bright colors and this huge ornate composition. And we find you sitting, I think, on like a, a rug underneath it. And I think, Abiku, in this common space, in your hands is a sealed letter stained with blood. You found it on Tomba. Uh, after the confrontation with Sievert, uh, when members of the Chromium Order came up and started, I think, like, cleaning up the space, like, moving Tomba's body to a more peaceable location for it to rest um, before burial rites. Uh, but you found this letter, like, tucked inside, like, her robes before her corpse was taken, taken away. It's addressed to someone, uh, but the ink of the addressee is stained and sort of, like, blows outward uh, alongside the blood stain but it is addressed to Najwa Katri, my beloved. And the seal is unbroken. It hasn't been opened yet. Uh, is there a way I can, like, can I try and, like, wind magic, like, the blood off? So when I give it to her, I don't, I don't want to give her a blood, like, that's, that'll be a lot. Okay, okay, yeah, why don't you make me a, let's call it a sleight of hand check, right? This feels like a very dexterous, okay. like a fine kind of manipulation of magic? Unnatural 20. That's pretty good. Okay, yeah, you sort of turn your wrist in an elegant circular motion over the surface of this parchment, and we see sort of like the wind whisk over the blood, and we see some of it almost like peel off of the paper and swirl around, and as you flick it over your shoulder, uh, you hear a splat, and Costas's voice goes, ew, 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 please tell me that wasn't dead woman blood. Okay. What? Abiku? Yes. Was that... Was that Tomba's blood? You said blood? not to tell. You, what? You said, uh, you want... 
I didn't mean it literally. And I think like coming over to like sit next to you is Costas, who as always, even though it's nice and temperate in here, it's like temperature controlled inside the Citadel. They still have their like thick hooded furs on, like drawn over their face, which is like mm -hmm. half like very handsome elf and half just pure ice. They sort of mm -hmm. like huddle down next to you. Aren't you like hot? Not like attractive. I mean, we've talked about that you are attractive, but aren't you like physically warm? Yes, yes, I am. It's I'm sweating like a fucking pig underneath here. Okay, Take but your, why? Who are you hiding it from? Everybody knows, right? No, no, I don't think. <clears throat> I don't think they know. And I think Costas sort of like jerks their head toward Gentle and Jaron, who are also in this space, but in a different part of this chamber. So I think we're gonna sweep across, like I think, the painting to find Gentle and Jaron. What are the two of you up to in this chamber? Um, is Bud present? Yes. Um, then I'm probably sitting with Bud. Um, I might just be trying to make some sort of tea for everyone, just because it's a everyone's in a group common area. Tea is a good way to make sure everyone's doing okay. It's just peak gentle energy. I think Jaron is also sitting with gentle, absent-mindedly playing with Bud as well. But they keep looking over at Abiku. And they lean over to Gentle and whisper, I think we should talk to her about what happened. Yeah, but I don't know how to initiate that conversation. If you want to take point on that, that's fine. I, okay, uh, what do I say? Just like, hey, Abiku, you just tried to kill a, kill a guy. What's up with that? Like, I, I don't. I, maybe ask how she's feeling regarding everything, and then... And that's normally the, the less direct and smarter approach. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, Jaron will like very loudly clear his throat from across the room, <clears throat> hoping to get Obiku's uh, attention, and I guess by extension, Costas's attention. And I they can't will. Jaron is going to get up, like release the tension in their body, walk over to Ibiku. And oh, God, sitting down here there. comes the weirdo. Okay, but didn't they all see you at the at the dinner? Did you leave your hood on? I did, I did. Oh, it's it looks, it's just like, it looks weird just sitting inside. Maybe he's, they're going to come ask you why you're wearing a hood in the inside. Hi, Jaron. How can we help you? Do you hey, think Costas looks weird in the hood? No, I think they look nice in the hood, although it is, it, aren't you hot? Thank you. No, that's not what I meant. I meant. God, Jaron, get over me. It's just. This is just sad at this point. What's sad? I, I rejected. I broke up with Jaron. Oh. Preemptively. That we were together. It was a proactive breakup. Place, which yeah. we were not. Uh, Jaron, I, I am. Well, sorry. if it were up to you, that we would be. That, that must okay, be hard. Anyway. Jaron. I, I am sorry. Costas is quite a catch, so I can understand. Thank you, Abiku. You're welcome. Yeah, this isn't why I came over. Um, oh. Uh, Abiku, mm. I just wanted to ask you how you were feeling after, well, everything with Sievert. I mean, I am sad that I could not save Tamba, but it, it is just how it was meant to go, I suppose. Um, I got this letter that I will make sure her wife gets and that is all I can do, you know. With this 
look of concern on his face brows furrow drawn quickly sits down in front of you like cross-legged and kind of like leans in a little but why did it have to be this way well I, I do not know Sievert seemed uh, driven by jealousy to commit such a crime but I I I, I don't know why Sievert thought it was the only way to do things I meant why were you so intent on killing Sievert? Oh, because he was a murderer and he could had to be stopped. And Jaron looks over at Gentle from across the room. Gentle was listening, but deeply hoping they weren't going to get involved. <laughs> um, so now Gentle sort of does the, like, I don't want to shuffle over across the room. Um, hi, um, yeah, I... I haven't done, like, I haven't killed a person. I I don't know anyone can be so reticent to do it. You know, I guess it's like they say, the, the mind can forget, but the body remembers. I was there, you know, and I point at the painting of the war. I, I was there. I, I don't know how to stress enough, but you, I've done a lot. It doesn't mean... I am a bad person, but it means if there's something that has to be done that other people cannot do, I can do it. Abiku, just because you were and gesturing over with his face over to the painting, just because you were part of a war doesn't mean that you have to continue to be a soldier. Oh no, I do not see myself as a soldier now. I, I am a, um, what did you say, like a free agent? But one to kill people? Abiku, that doesn't seem... that doesn't seem right. What would you do with Seabirds? I don't know, but it seemed like he had something else to say. Something else so to tell us. it was okay to let him live if he was useful? It's not the usefulness. It's just taking another person's life like that. In, in defense? He tried to kill V. He tried to kill me. He tried to kill all of us when we got here before we even saw him. He killed Tamba while she was already unconscious, probably from him trying to poison her. What? I don't understand what I did wrong or tried to do that was wrong. Should I have let him live to break out of prison again and kill more people? To kill V or you or me or Gentle or Costas or Oka or the doctor? Who next? We could have subdued him. We could have found a way, maybe, to get through to him. Clearly, Sievert... A hand on your shoulder. It is okay. You did not do it. Technically, I did not even do it. I am okay. I know who I am. My name is Abiku Ishtar, and I am me. You're just okay with that. I don't fully know, but I am okay with what I tried to do. If I had done it, maybe you'd have a different conversation, but that was taken from me. I don't think I quite understand, Abiku. I killed someone recently, and I can't forget it. I can't forget the way that she looked. I don't know how you could be so so casual about it, I guess. I... 
and I like shift like next to you and I like put a I like put my hands over your hands. I don't remember everything I have done, but I remember enough. And if you think I know comfort, I cannot give you that. I remember all the faces that I remember. And I am not uh, happy with what I may have done before. I, I don't know if I am her or she was me or what that looks like, you know? But I am still grateful for the gifts it has given me because I... I suppose I am dull to it, you know? Siva, frankly, to me, is nobody. I will probably not think about him much unless it's brought up. I mean, you came over here and I didn't really know what you were talking about, but you seem pained. And all I can say is if you are pained by it, then you must have a deep regret. I think you are confused because I do not regret what I would have done. Sievert, as far as I was concerned, needed to not be here at the very least. And if, and I gesture to like Tyrion's whole shit set up, if all of this that Tyrion has and all his power could not keep Sievert at bay, the only thing left was his soul going to the Raven Queen. You're assuming that Sievert was acting out of turn, out of Tyrion's orders. I'm not so sure that that's the case, Ibiku. I think there's well, more going on here than we than we think, than we know. That could be true, but I cannot live in what-ifs. I don't even know my past. I can't predict the future. You and so be... what? For this uncertainty, we get to decide who lives and who dies? That doesn't seem right. With this uncertainty, we get to choose what we do. I cannot tell you what to do, but I don't expect you to tell me what to do either. I will keep people safe. And if that means sometimes somebody must be sent to the Raven Queen, then that might be the case. But I will not let someone throw away all their chances to just keep coming back to try and kill us. This is not the first time t that Sivert had tried to kill V. This is not the first time he had killed someone, I'm guessing. Abiku's right. And I think entering the room is Rev, who cuts an intimidating figure through the threshold. She sort of has to duck underneath it to get to get fully through. Um, and I think her like raven feather cloak kind of ripples in her wake as she uh, makes an appearance. Grim is nowhere to be seen, but as always, she radiates divine power just passively, like all paragons do. And her like gold eye and her black eye fixes on Eugeron. Sievert was an unremorseful killer. He was Tyrion's right hand in doing all his dirty work. I don't think any of us believe that this little citadel, this little palace of treasures and wonders was gotten by any means other than ill ones. And let's not make, um, <clears throat> let's not make certain people regret certain outcomes that have already happened. Besides, it wasn't like a Biku dealt the killing blow. That was all Tyrion. And I think, like, Rev sort of steps off to the side to reveal uh, V in her wake. Yeah, I think V um, is probably actually in, like, some robe still. A little damp still from getting out of the bath. Um, eyes just so red and puffy. And she moves a little bit uh, 
a bit slower than you than you would normally see her and she's uh, she walks in. She's been listening to this conversation, obviously, before Rev stepped in. Um, and she finds herself a seat on a nearby chair, I think, and sort of like rewraps herself in her robe. Sievert is not a good person. There are things in this citadel that I helped him steal many years ago. There are unspeakable horrors that he's done to many people to get what he wants and when you're on the wrong side of Sievert he will make sure that you're dead by all of his power if that's what he wants I don't feel great about what happened but the only thing with certainty I can say is that and Dage is better that there is no longer a Sievert in it and I afforded him the greatest courtesy I could think of by making sure that his soul was kept. But once this is all fixed, you can go to the after. Hopefully, that's how this works when we're done with everything. And that's got to be the greatest comfort I can possibly give you right now. Uh, <clears throat> I have no horse in this race, really, so to speak. Uh... Costas chimes up, uh, actually, I think shuffling a little awkwardly on the rug, still keeping their head down, hood sort of up. But, um, <clears throat> your, uh, your dad, the Tyran, really strong mage dude, couldn't he have just, uh, I don't know, instead of killing Sievert, couldn't he have just put him under a geish? This, without a doubt certain that Tyrion is a very, very powerful mage. And, quite frankly, I don't know what he's up to, but he's clearly up to something. He wants me to join him? Whoa, 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 whoa. And even at that, like, Rev looks surprised as well and turns to look at you. What? 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 V, you, you didn't... What do you mean, join him? I'm so tired of hiding and double speaking and trying to do everything uh, he said that when he was a, became aware that he had a daughter which I don't actually I'm gonna put my cards out here I don't believe him that he didn't know that I didn't exist until recently but now that he quote knows who I am he wants me to join him so that he can teach me his ways that he can be with me and we can be powerful mages in Andake. You're not considering his offer, are you? <laughs> yes. I am considering it, okay? V, why? You you said yourself you don't believe that your father didn't know about your existence. Why would you want to join a man who didn't even care that you existed until now? Because I've spent my whole life putting myself in really, really dangerous situations and finding a way out of it. I don't know any way else. What, do you, what would you have me do, Jaron? not join the man who clearly wants something from you that he's not telling you about. Uh, seems 
Like, there's a lot of that in Andaki this past year. I have something. Um, would, do you even think he would let you leave, though, if you did not? If he doesn't want us to leave, we're not leaving. That's for sure. Well, that is my worry. If he wants you to join him, what if it's like a join me or else situation? I think the else is going to happen regardless. I'm not under any delusion that Tyrion wants you to join him. I think he wants to use you for something. I don't disagree. I don't know what that is. And so what better way than to say yes and find out what he wants me for? That is true. I mean, there's... We could also go in good faith, right? If Tyrion just wants me to join him, he would be very strong against the stranger. So what? You were all so ready to kill Sievert for being a bad person and Tyrion you're okay with working with? Well, Tyrion didn't kill Tamba. Sievert did. And you don't think Tyrion has killed anybody else? Look, you said yourself that the things in this citadel, B, were gotten through ill means. You don't think Tyrion had anything to do with that? You think that was all Sievert? No, I know. I know from talking to Tyrion that Sievert has been working for longer than I've been alive, so a pretty long time. And Tyrion is 15,000 years old, so he's been doing this for a very long, long time. So, as the way that I look at it, I'll get to you in a moment, Gentle, the way that I look at it, the best thing possible is that I take him up on the offer, and if something goes wrong, I'll figure it out. Gentle. Um, where does that leave us and everything? Because if we can help you find stuff out, I wouldn't hate doing that. And I kind of don't feel comfortable with you having to deal with Karen on your own. I think this question, um, we is contemplated for quite a bit and after like maybe like a looking up at the ceiling as if the answer is somewhere up there she finally looks back to gentle gentle i'm not used to in my line of work asking for help that often so if you want to help of course i would appreciate that you're not going alone. <laughs> you really think Big Daddy Tyrion's gonna have a chat with his daughter in the company of us? No freaking way. We'll be nearby. I, I don't think there's a way for him to. He is 15,000 years old. I'm sure he knows we're talking right now. If we go, and looking over at Gentle, to the room with the tapestry, we can keep an eye on you, V, and get to you in a moment's notice, if something goes wrong. The room with the tapestry. Tapestry? Yeah, what room oh, with the tapestry? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we found the, the rosy tapestry. Um, it was in this room full of rings that you could see what everyone was doing. Um, and if you jump through the rings, you could end up in that room. That's how we got to Abiku so fast. That's how Wait. I lost these. And Jaron holds up their prosthetic with two fingers missing. Oh, I didn't even notice that. That sounds like no, a I, freaky room. 
I assumed it was some sort of really cool magic you could do or something, Jerome. Well, all right. V, I trust you. I trust your ability to be able to, um, honestly outwit your dad. I believe you've got it in you. I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're Vasanti. He's just some man who's been alive for a long time, I'll give him that, but he doesn't have the fresh perspective that you do. He's not you. He's not a paragon. V, you are. I am. Okay? So don't let him pull the wool over your eyes. I trust you can see past it. I trust you. I trust you, Rev. I trust you, Abiku. The fact that you tried to take out Sievert. Gentle. I know that wasn't very easy uh, to have to watch that. I know that's not in your nature to see someone be taken, have their lives taken like that. So I appreciate that. And you, Jaron. I am... It was not a very pleasant thing to see you try to stop Abiku, but I'm going to need all the help I can get, and so I hope I can trust you. You can. I'm not letting your father ruin this for us. You need to live, and I'll make sure of that. I, I will make double sure, you know. Not well. to interrupt a really sweet moment happening, but aren't <clears throat> you uh, forgetting someone in your little trust circle? Maybe if you took your hood off, people would remember who you were. Well, I don't want to take my hood off of Biku because I, I look horrible under it, okay? I just, I don't, don't like Aww. how I look. look don't, don't, don't pity me, I'm, I'm fine. I'm... No, I, I get it. I used to walk around and wear a mask nonstop. I, I understand. Really? But you're, like, drop-dead gorgeous. Well, thank you, but a lot of that's also a personal perception thing. You know, I had to begin to like what's on the outside and to appreciate more what's on the inside. Unfortunately, what's on the inside here is even worse than what's on the outside. Any anyway, V, you were going to say you trust me uh, unconditionally? Something like that? Costas, do you remember when we met so long ago? I do. Ago? It was you were trying to take idea. my food. What? Trying to take your food? I was. I'm the one who said you should come with us to to Dabathati. Everyone else wanted you to like hit the road, and I was like, no, Costas, come with us. But you didn't answer my question, though. Uh, do you? Do you trust me, V? Come on, you've known me longer than any of these chumps, technically. Look, the the look I cut at being called a chump. <laughs> <laughs> except you, Abiku. Except you. Fine, I trust you more than I trust Jaron. How's that? Yeah, okay, I'll take that, I'll take that. Sorry, Jaron, you just keep taking L's with me, I guess. I am just going to ignore that, Costas. So, V, what's the plan? I think on that, we cut to Jaron. In the Citadel, at some point, I think, maybe a day or two later, uh, wherever you are, you are by yourself. Paint us a picture. After having had that conversation with everybody about uh, what the group is going to do next, particularly around V wanting to join her father, which Jaron is still not convinced is a good idea, 
I think Jerron has taken to pacing the corridors of the Iron Citadel, not in the same way uh, as before, where he was like meticulously mapping out the area. I think this is way more aimless and more just a way for Jerron to try and like get out of their head, essentially, because they've been like racked with nerves around the impending whatever is going to happen with V's father. And so they're just, I think, like pacing a random hallway at this point. I think when you round a corner in this vast empty hallway, just your own footsteps muffled against this thick, lush red carpet, you almost like bump into like someone who appears to be maybe like a chromium order servant or someone just like dressed in these plain robes. You almost like bump into each other. Oh, excuse me. Oh, sorry. I uh, didn't see you there. I was actually just looking for you. Uh, Lord Codder, yes? Uh, not Lord, but yes. Oh, no, no, no. All guests are Lords in my Lord's eyes. Uh, and as you sort of take the servant in, they are a tabaxi person, almost like a, like a cheetah, with these like tiny little tufted ears, and they're, they're actually carrying a basket. Uh, and inside this kind of wicker basket, it's almost like a, like, there's like goodies in it. Um, my Lord wished to speak with you. Lord Cotter, do you have a minute? And they sort of like push the basket forward toward you. Oh, um, holding on to the basket kind of like gingerly, I suppose so, y yes. And Jerome is like visibly confused as to why Tyrion would want to talk to them. Do you, then, do you know what this is about? Unfortunately, I'm not privy to such privileged information, but I do know that Lord Tyrion quite mm, eagerly desires your audience, if, if you have a spare minute. Eagerly? Well, I suppose I shouldn't keep him waiting then. Follow me. Uh, and this tabaxi person turns, I think tail just sort of like up, very upright and uh, chipper, and leads you through a series of like winding halls, like around corners, like upstairs, downstairs, like even like find yourself like cutting through almost like a dungeon corridor at some point, and then like you like climb up like a rather steep ladder, and then you like get onto like a third or fourth level, right? You like go up like a winding tower, and sort of like at the top of a tower, this tabaxi servant pauses and gestures at this massive oak door. It is definitely not the office that Tyrion met with V in. This appears to be a different one. Please. And they, like, gesture at the door. Jaron will knock on the door three times hesitatingly. Uh, and the door flies open, uh, almost with, like, a gust of wind. And you sort of see the interior of what appears to be, like, a wizard's or something that has been taken over by Tyrion and like almost like transformed into like a working space for himself. Oh, uh, you see like a three-tiered cylindrical room and there's like a hole punched through like each tier so you can see like the three different landings and no clear ladder to get from floor to floor at all. But you see just like all of these rounded walls are just stacked like from floor to, to ceiling with books and scrolls and potions and little baubles and trophies and whatnot. Um, and floating little vials of like various glowing liquids and standing in the middle of all of this like an architect of chaos uh and artifice is Tyrion, and he's just sort of like gesturing with his hands almost like a conductor conducting an orchestra as like various vials sort of fly everywhere and he's sort of humming to himself his back to you although uh, he's dressed in that pristine sort of gray vest with that sapphire neckties always ah jaron cotter come in come in come in 
Jaron walks in and as they walk in, I think one of those vials of like the potions kind of like fly by his head and he has to like duck really quickly in order to avoid it colliding with his head. And the oak door is kind of like slammed shut behind him. And he looks honestly kind of silly, I think, standing here uh, in this massive chamber, in this massive study, holding like this wicker basket full of sweets and goodies. Hello, uh, Tyrion. You wanted to see me? Uh, yes, yes, I did. You'll have to pardon me if I'm working while we talk. I, uh, I like to multitask. I like to be up, up on my feet uh, when, when I have conversations with people. I, I, feel, I feel it keeps the mind agile. Uh, that's no problem at all. Does it look like that there's a spot for Gerard to, like, sit? Or is it... <laughs> Uh, yeah, definitely. This space is so huge that you can easily avoid, like, the swinging and flying vials and bubbling decanters and whatnot. And there's, like, a little pit area with various cushions. I think Jaron sets down the wicker basket in the pit, and instead of sitting in it, if Tyrion will allow it and won't, like, object in any way, uh, Jaron is going to walk over to the bookshelves and just, like, look at what titles are there and kind of, like, half be paying attention to that, like, while he's talking to Tyrion. Sure. You recognize maybe 30% of the lettering in this room, which is saying a lot. The vast majority of these books seem ancient um, and are written in a language that would take you a few hours to decipher, I think, uh, at the very least. But the titles you do, rec do recognize, you glean that these are alchemical texts, right? These are, like, potion-making texts, like some sort of ke chemist's lab almost, right? And you do see I think like there's like a balcony off uh, to the north side of this room uh, that's currently closed, but overlooks uh, Nitbuza's teardrop. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming in. Uh, yes, yes, please peruse the books to your liking as we talk. Uh, this is one of my labs here. Uh, it's a nice little private study. I, I come here when I want to work on projects. Uh, Jaron, 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 how are you uh, how are you enjoying your stay? at the Citadel. It's been lovely. Your service is quite um, prompt, I should say. Thank you. Uh, never really see any of the uh, employees coming. <laughs> well, yes, uh, I do make sure that all of the people employed at the Citadel are well trained in what they do. Even the cooks in the kitchen know how to throw a punch or two. Oh, uh, do the cooks often need to use those skills well no no no, no 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 they don't they don't especially now you know nowadays and dake and dake this place uh well we've gotten soft we have we have there hasn't been a war on and dake in 400 what is it what year is it 407 407 AT. hasn't been in a war in 407 years yeah ever since the uh monarchy of talamad well i guess it's a republic now right ever since the monarchy became a republic I mean, that's what Is the that AT stands for, after treaty. You're aware of that, no? Yes, yes, I am. But is that not a good thing? It Tyrion? is. It is, it is. It's good for times of peace. But in times of war... And I think he, like, pauses and all the things swirling around, and they sort of slow down. Softness is a very, very dangerous trait to have, I'm afraid. Why do you say that? Well, it can make you weak. And the last thing Endake needs right now is weakness, staring down the throat of the stranger, no? No, but 
I can assure you that the Paragons aren't weak. I agree. I think they know exactly what they're up against, and they're working quite hard to make sure that they win. Well, weak, weak, Jaron Cotter, is a uh, relative term. A bird is weak to a cat. A cat is weak to a dog. A dog is weak to a bulet. A bulet is weak to an adventurer. A god, well, a god is stronger than an adventurer, wouldn't you say? And a paragon, what are paragons but heroes amongst heroes? My daughter, my beautiful, perfect daughter is a paragon, and I am so proud of her, but Jaron Cotter, I've been around for 15,000 years. This batch of Paragons is not the first batch I have encountered. What do you remember of the old Paragons? I remember enough. You're aware of the Paragon prophecy, yes? If you're traveling with my daughter, I assume you are. Intimately. As am I. I was there. I was there when the stranger came the first time. You witnessed it. I did. How could I forget? A sky as red as blood. Eyes covering every inch of the horizon. Wings dripping black, tar-breeding monsters. And at the center of it all, like a little pinnacle, a, a, a pinprick of starlight, the crown jewel of a constellation. The stranger. Taller than the world. It's the only way I can really describe it. Taller than the world, yes. During this conversation, Jaron had picked up one of the alchemical books off of the bookshelf and had been like, had it open and was just kind of like skimming it. But as Tyrion is talking about the old stranger war, Jaron's hands still with this book and they're staring at Tyrion. What happened? If you were there, then you know. They say that the stranger just left. What happened if you were there? That's true. The stranger, she just, uh, she just left. I thought Andake was done for. I really did. I thought, I thought that was the end times. I thought the Paragons, well, frankly, they were outmatched. They were doing their best flinging their divine power all over the place. It was it was something to witness, a clash of titans. Truly, the likes of which I hadn't seen since, well, since the Thousand Year War, but, um... No, she just, uh... She just left. She wasn't beaten, she wasn't defeated, she wasn't destroyed, she just, uh... Went. And the Paragon prophecy now, the one about all of the Paragons of today and their god shards sacrificing themselves to defeat the stranger, that's, uh... Hmm... That's not quite true, is it? What do you mean? Well, defeat implies destroy. I think a more honest interpretation of the prophecy would be to create borrowed time. That thing can't be destroyed with the strength we have now. Jaron, it can't. Even the past paragons who had the full power of their gods, not these shattered god shards. What will happen if my daughter is made to sacrifice herself and the shard of Scott and Nectus she bears within her, along with all the other paragons and their god shards, is the stranger will be banished for now. 
but she will come back. Jaron caught her. She will come back as she did 5,000 years ago. Now, it might take a 1,000 years, it might take two, it might take five, but she will come back. And the third time, the stranger returns. The third stranger. And Dake will fall. It's only a matter of time. Because if the god shards sacrifice themselves along with the paragons, well, once a part of a god dies, it cannot be brought back. The eight will be weakened forever, and Dake, the weave, will be severed, broken. And when the stranger comes back a third time, there will be no vanguard, no defender, no protector of Andake. Me, I might be 20,000 year olds at that point. I'll be in my twilight years. So then help us. You've seen the stranger once before. You must, you are the only person alive now, I think, who has seen the stranger war firsthand. You're the only chance we have of defeating the stranger. You must know what her weaknesses are. There is no gap in her armor. There is no flame that burns her brighter than the rest. She bleeds, but she has a lot of blood to bleed, Jaron. I believe the only true way to best the stranger is to simply best her. The paragons of yore didn't have enough power. They had their gods, they had themselves, but they didn't have what I remember. They didn't have draconic mages, they didn't have gigantic mages, they didn't have our raw connection to the weave to help them, and Andake was weaker for it. But now, I'm here, V's here, the other paragons are here, their god shards are here, we might have a fighting chance, but that's why I need you, Charon, as much as you need me. Kieran looks at you with serious, hard blue eyes. All of the floating various objects in this room have come to a standstill uh, as he just cuts a gaze across this alchemical chamber at you. That's why I need you, Jaron. I need you as much as you need me to truly defeat the stranger. You were there for the first stranger war. You said that they didn't have the power of the draconic mages, the gigantic mages. Why didn't you help then? I made a choice. I figured if the end of the world was coming, I wanted to die in peace. I wanted to lie down in my hole and watch it all go down. At that time, I thought, well, I was wrong, but I thought maybe I was one of the last, if not the last, draconic or gigantic mage remaining. And if I died throwing myself into the stranger, into that vast, gaping maw of swirling, never-ending abyss, well, the titans would die with me. But then she left. She left before I could make a true decision. It was, uh, eight days and eight nights pitched heavy fighting. Very long and also very short. And the rest of Indake was very eager to forget that it had happened. I believe the Paragons of Yore went on a years-long uh, hmm, publicity campaign isn't quite the right way to phrase it, but they, they, were, they weren't eager uh, to accept that they had failed. 
in warding off this extra planar threat. The Titans would have died with you regardless. We were already dead, Geron. It was just me and a few stragglers left. By the time the first stranger war rolled around, 5,000 years had already passed since the Thousand Year War. So what are you proposing? What could I possibly do to help you? I thought Tamba. I thought Tamba was going to be my key. When we found her from those coosing thugs, those criminals, I... It felt like fate. One of my sisters returned from the past. Maybe together, maybe we could help ward off the apocalypse. I was trying to heal her, trying to fix her, trying to make her better, and then... And then Sievert. Sievert. But I have V. We have V. My blood runs in her veins. She is a draconic mage, and because of that, she is uh, a descendant of the tradition. She can shift. Shifting for a draconic mage is a transformation process. It is an ability we unlock after a certain point in our arcane training. It allows us to access our truest, most powerful forms, our true draconic or gigantic embodiments. I intend, if Visanti agrees to stand by my side and face the stranger together with me as daughter and father, then I will teach her how to tap into this ability so she can unlock her draconic form. But, Geron, but the process is dangerous. The process of shifting is strenuous, it is risky. Usually it takes years, even decades, to hone even a simple transformation. But we don't have the luxury of time on our side. If Visanti fails to shift properly for any reason, then she runs the risk of it's called monsterfication. Turning into a beast, losing her personhood forever. The reason why you're here, the reason why I want to talk to you, my boy, is because, well, number one most important determining factor of a successful shift is trust. Trust in your own capabilities as a mage, trust in the process, but most vitally, trust in the person guiding you. This tradition of shifting, its oral ancestral knowledge, it has passed from elder to youth, elder to youth. Countless mages I've seen turn into beast, into monster because they had no mentor, no community, no teacher, no elder showing them the right path, the right way. Visanti, well, I will do my best. She is, she is my future. She is all of our futures. She's my baby girl. Jaron, and I, I, I'm an experienced mage. I will be there to guide her, but I can tell she doesn't love me yet. Jaron, I'm no fool. She doesn't trust me. I can see it in her eyes. I can see it in the way she holds herself around me. Such guardedness. She's been hurt before. Hurt by, hurt by someone I called a friend, Sievert. But if she doesn't trust me, Jaron... No amount of training can prepare her for the shifting. That's why I need you. I need you to convince her to trust me. B doesn't trust me either, Tyrion. I'm sure you've picked up on that by now. 
which is why it will mean the most if it comes from you. She trusts Abiku, I can tell, though I don't think she necessarily should, <laughs> given everything I know of Ishtar, first-hand accounts and whatnot. She trusts Gentle, which makes sense. Gentle is compassionate. Gentle did try to stop Abiku from killing Sievert. She trusts Rev, of course, a fine fiancé for my baby girl. But Abiku, Gentle, Rev, Costas, the four of them, they don't... I think it would mean the most coming from you. You, Jaron, who, well, given everything in Dabathati, you strike me as someone very measured, very calculated in your thinking, very thorough. So if you were the one to tell her this, my daughter, though she doesn't trust you, she is no fool. She has my intelligence. She'll be able to ascertain that if you authentically implored her to trust me, that would stand for something in her eyes. She may not trust you, Jaron, but I, I suspect she might come to respect you. Does it seem like Tyrion is being sincere right now? Roll insight. I got a 16. Yes. Uh, he is... He did pick you for a reason. He thinks you're the best candidate to deliver this news to V. Definitely. And everything he said about shifting doesn't seem like he's lying. Like, it seems like he's, like, genuinely, like, telling the truth when it comes to the monsterification process and how dangerous shifting can be. Um, and Abiku could perhaps corroborate this story. And also what he said about the first Stranger War, seeing the Stranger, the Paragons, how he, you know, thinks that current Paragons aren't strong enough to truly defeat the Stranger. He's, like, believing every word he's saying to you. Jaron takes in all of this information thinking about what Tyrion has said about the god shards being too weak, being mere reflections of the true power that the gods have, that the old paragons had, and how it's not going to be enough. And fear, I think, floods his body at that, at the thought that the paragons might be sacrificing their lives for nothing. Just to have the stranger potentially still win, or at best, apparently, just come back later. And he takes, I think, a few steps closer to Tyrion. How likely is it that somebody attempting to shift turns into a beast? Under the right conditions, if there is trust, if there is love, if there is respect, if they are skilled, have innate training, are supported, if all the conditions are right, then the likelihood of monsterification is quite low. But if even, if there is even a grain of doubt, if there is any sort of distrust marring that process, then the likelihood of failure jumps up exponentially. I've seen it happen with my own two eyes. To mentees, I've, I've failed. And I cannot let that happen to Vasanti. Please. She's my only hope. Is that a risk you're willing to take for Andake? If V becomes a monster, we won't have all eight paragons for the stranger war. You won't have your daughter. I know. I know. That's why I need you, Jaron. I can't make her trust me. I could try to mind control her. <laughs> I thought about it. I'm not going to lie. I thought about it but it wouldn't work. 
Trust has to be real. The love has to be real. And I would not put my daughter through that. I don't know if I can trust you. I'm not asking for that. You don't have to trust me. But you do have to trust this, Jaron. That I do not want the stranger to come here and destroy everything I've ever known. And Dake is my home as much as it is yours. Perhaps even more. I've been on this earth for 15,000 years. I've seen the beauty of life. And I've seen the utopia that I've worked for come so close, but slip away because of infighting and greed and ego and arrogance. And I can't have the stranger be the reason that all of that crumbles to dust. I want Andake to live. I want Andake to survive. The proper gods Aaron. to rule over this world. You can trust that that's what I want. Hearing Tyrion say that he doesn't need Jaron to trust him, at that, Jaron's grip on the book that he's holding slackens and the book like falls to the ground with this thud. As Jaron is reminded of pretty much the exact same thing that Adam has said to them when they were talking to Adam. And I think in that moment, as Tyrion is talking, his voice is interlaced with the voice of Adam in Jaron's mind, and they're hearing the words come out of Tyrion's mouth, but sometimes they're in Adam's voice and sometimes they're in Tyrion's voice, and it's a lot. And Jaron is only, I think, able to like half process the things that Tyrion is saying to him at this point and he shakes his head. The risk is too great. V can't, can't, we can't. That's not your call to make, Jaron. That's V's, that's Visanti's call. I intend on telling her all of this. Whether or not you're going to help us, that's your decision. But whether or not she agrees to attempt to undergo this process with me, that's hers. It is her decision but I will make sure that V lives. You might be willing to play with the life of your daughter, but I'm not. You think this is me playing with the life of my daughter? You think that's what this is? You. Uh, and as he sort of like draws in this shaky breath, like the various objects and vials floating in the space start to rattle like the liquid starts to like slosh around in their containers like with like this barely controlled rage you sense it is not your place Jaron Cotter to say what I am or am not doing with my daughter's life I would never force her to take this offer but I think I know the kind of person my daughter is. She is, after all, the paragon of risk and reward. I will be a coward no longer. If I must stand up and fight for Andake, this final moment I shall. And I know, I know she will as well. This is not me playing with her life. This is offering her a path forward. I believe she can overcome the process and shift into her true form. She just needs a little bit of trust to get there. And once she does, 
will be strong enough to beat the stranger. I know we will without having to sacrifice any of the paragons and any of their god shards. That's what I want at the end of this. I want a future with Visanti. I want to make up for all the lost time. I want to be a true father to her. I want that too. I would love for the god shards to live, for the paragons to live. After all of this is over, I want that too. And if I'm wrong in helping you, then what? Well, at least you would have tried, Jaron. I'll let you make your choice. Enjoy the gift basket. I must get back to, um... Well, I am preparing a potion that will serve to be crucial during the shifting should Visanti choose to undergo that route. It takes a few days to prepare. I hope you understand if I need some focus now. Jaron will walk out of this study, not taking the basket with them, I think. And their eyes are not able to quite focus on really anything as they're walking out almost a little bit too quickly. And when the oak doors close behind him, he slumps his back against it and falls to the ground, hands in their head, or their head in their hands, and they sigh. Because honestly, Tyrion has a point. And Jaron is sitting here fighting with himself, essentially. And as they're sitting there debating, do I tell V to trust her father? Do I not? All they can think about is Adam and the chrysalis and Ravi. And Ravi's face swims into view. He sees the life pouring out of her eyes, the blood pouring out of the puncture wounds in her body. And then he sees Oka's face. Those double-pupiled eyes shot through with grief. And Jaron just sits there and cries. And I think on like the tears falling off your face and dribbling onto the stone floor underneath you, we blur and blot onto one of Abiku's face. Biku, in what quiet and private place do we find you? Abiku's on some balcony. I assume this place has many balconies. Um, but yeah, she's just out on a balcony staring at the way that the group came in. I think she's she's thinking about like like Jaron was talking about and thinking about like Gentle and like how upset they both seemed about everything, you know? Um, but still can't quite grasp, like, what what is there to be upset about? Like, she's, like, I'm, like, trying to, like, pull, like, okay, clearly I'm not, like, like, trying to, like, think about it the right way, because they both seem to think that, like, she's, like, she, you, you did something wrong. And she's like, I don't think so, but okay. That's, that's where Abiku's at right now. I think standing on that balcony with your arms slung over maybe this railing, um, mm -hmm. this, like, wintry air blowing around you, right? Like, just biting at your skin. You see just, like, a 
great white expanse of snow, that like frigid icy lake that seems like a tiny little speck on the ground below you, like these huge, vast, dense, thick columns of clouds drifting through this gray, sunless sky, uh, the jagged oscillations of the peaks of this rocky lake mountain rising up, puncturing the atmosphere behind you. It's quite lonely, actually. That's what strikes you about this place, this balcony. There's no one else around. It's just you and the elements in your thoughts. And as the wind continues to gust past you, you hear just the barest fluttering of feathers through the air, and you see, cutting through this dense cloud co cover, a, uh, a raven, black crow feathered. It just sort of like slices through the air like an omen and lands on the railing next to you. Uh, speak with animals. Um, hello. Do I have I met you before? I'm sorry. It's hard when you don't have any defining features. Uh, the raven tilts its head to the side, its, like, beady black eye trained on you, and it doesn't speak back to you, but you hear a voice, I think, sort of, like, curling along the gentle gusts of the breeze around you, just sort of, like, wiping through one ear and travel out the other. A voice that is, I think, familiar to you at this point. Biku Ishtar. My keeper. Oh, hello, your highness. Sorry, this is this you? Your heart is darkened, Abiku. I can feel it tumbling like a stone to the bottom of the black tongue. Well, okay, I mean, not about the thing earlier, though. That's, or just, it, time is... Not about Sievert. No. Well, I feel bad I cannot protect Tamba. It's more of that and... You told me if I came here, we get answers. And I got some answers, but then the person that could give me answers was killed. And I don't... I just want to know when... Uh, now I am your keeper now, and I don't know what that means fully. But uh, when do I get ready for you to tell me what everything. Breathe, Abiku. In... I don't need to breathe. I literally do not need to breathe anymore. Listen, Abiku. Trust me and breathe. Fine. And I'll start doing deep breaths, which I probably haven't done. I because I don't know the last time I breathed. I don't have to breathe. Everyone knows that now. It's not weird. As you as you draw a breath in, though you don't need it, uh, I think images start to swirl past your eyes. With like every breath you draw in, they become a little bit more vivid. Um, and instead of like plunging you back into a memory, these images stay uh, in front of your eyes, almost like uh, illusions, right? Weaving themselves into reality. And they sort of look like, like wind-wrought images, right? Like the breeze itself is making a painting out of magic for you. Uh, and you see yourself, uh, a portrait of yourself, just like uh, your face, the contours of your face defined by these like swirling eddies of air. Uh, but this version of you is unfamiliar to you. This is the version that you glimpsed, I think, 
in a pond the first time you were flung back into the past, right? Your hair looks different, your face looks different, your eyes, the set of your expression is different. It's almost like looking at a younger sister, older sister, identical twin, something. It's you, but it's not you. This is who you used to be, Abiku. Your commune with Tamba brought you to the edge. And I think now, Abiku Ishtar, my keeper, you are ready to take the plunge. Though your soul and memory may be shattered, I think now you know enough to see it all. Okay, what do I need to do? Accept me in your heart, my keeper, and let it flow through your body. And Abiku, as she speaks, you feel every syllable, I think, surge these, like, bright pips of magic through your body, through your soul, lighting it up, like fairy lights dancing on the surface of the black tongue. And I want you to tell me what, hmm, what mark of the Raven Queen manifests on your form? I think it's, uh, like across my back and then like down the arms. Like there's like a raven and then like wings go down my arms. Yeah, okay, I really like that. What color is this mark? Uh, it's ombre, like, um... I think like that like lighter blue like into a black and then like the the same similar like it on the arm and like ombre is like that lighter blue into like a black. Mm, I really like that. We just sort of see almost like melting up to the surface of your skin. These feathers just like unfurl across your scapulae down your arms and it's like a hug. You like feel the Raven Queen's like deathly life-filled presence just surround you uh, as like your skin tingles and that magic lifts up, pushes up from your soul and lifts up to the surface of your skin. You are radiant, Abiku Ishtar. Glowing. A star on the horizon. Are you ready? Well, one, thank you. That is very nice to say. And two, yes. Then close your eyes and let's begin. And Abiku, you close your eyes and your story begins. And on that, we cut to Gentle. Gentle, you are spending some time with Bud. Where are the two of you and what are you up to? If there's one thing I've learned that the Citadel has, it is a cavalcade of old foods and spices that aren't around anymore. And I think Gentle has been quietly noting and uh, seeing what they can take in order to partially replant some of it, just back in Indake writ large, uh, but also just to have for their own personal spice uh, supply. Mm. Totally. I think we find you and Bud in one of these cabinets, right? Like maybe like sifting through it and like we pan out to like the, the corridor beyond it to see like a door open and like Bud is sort of nosing kind of messily through it. And like we see like several like packets and like jars like roll past them and like fly through the air and like hit the carpet and roll off, right? Like behind her like huge direwolf form. Mm, no, not here. 
Not here. <laughs> Gentle, but, it's not here. What What are you looking for in particular? And also, you can't make a mess. Other people, we have to make sure we clean it up afterwards. You know, well, But Sybil never made it. me clean it up. Yes, but we like to make people's lives easier. So we're not going to clean, or we're going to clean it up. Oh, well, that's much less fun than Sybil, but fine. And like Bud like struts back to where they, I think, unearthed a lot of the spices and they start like with a lot of attitude, like rolling it back with their snout. Right. But like doing kind of a bad job at it, like uh, malicious incompetence. <laughs> like they're just sort of like, oh, oh, whoops, did I uncork that? Sorry. What were you looking for in particular, Bud? <sighs> it's that smell. That smell. Uh, the one on, um, the one on that letter uh, that, that Abiku had a few days ago. There's something about it. Tombo's letter? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the bloody one. <laughs> what about it? Well, it's kind of on you, but I thought maybe it was in here, but it's definitely not. And like, they keep sniffing your trousers. I think like nosing at the place where that you held that uh, bead of blood of Tombas yeah. that you pulled out. Hmm. I think Gentle still has it. I don't think I found anyone to do it to. Um, so, oh, um, do you, are you looking for like this? And it's like in a small little vial. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that. But no, I, I think I smelled it somewhere else too. Hmm. Okay, so two things. One, I need you to be extra careful around this because this is poison. Uh, there is some poison in, in Tomba's blood. Um, and I'm fine with poison, but I don't think you are. So let's be careful. And two, let's try to find it because I do want to see if I can help with that. Okay. All right. But this isn't going to be like some sort of like forced bonding session or anything. I'm just kind of interested in this because I like smelling things. That's it. That's fine. That's all it has to be. If that's if that's what you want, that's okay. Okay, fine, whatever. All right, I guess you can help. Uh, and they start to strut off, but then they turn around and they like shove the rest of the things that they dislodged back into the cupboard. How fast can I clean this up? Make make a uh, athletics check. Uh, acrobatics. Make an acrobatics check. Kids, what are you what are you gonna do? Oh, that was a twenty-eight very fast you just boop 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 boop, and it's done right just bam 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 like a, a flash of just arms and hands and boom like you manage to close the door so as bud starts to stalk off like very curiously following his own nose uh tell me how you help him try to track down the other source of tomba's blood the poison that they seem to be able to smell um i think normally bud can be a little bit prone to distractions um, he's very excitable, and I think what I'm doing is providing the clear head of, like, uh, like, no, as you can see, I'm gonna write this down, we can circle back to that later. Um, but for now, let's keep this through line. Make an animal handling check for me. I should really get, get some, something in that eventually. There we go. That's a 15. With a 15! I'm gonna call that a pretty average or middling roll. Um... I think it I think what that means is it takes you all like a really long time to like start to get so like you do manage to herd Bud back in. You don't lose the scent trail, but it does 
it does take like a day, right? So it's, I think we see like a montage of you just sort of like following Bud as they're sniffing around. They get distracted by one of the kitchens. You know, they start to salivate. They just sort of sit there for like a long time. Takes a lot of coaxing, right? They also get distracted by like a menagerie. There's like a, an indoor zoo area with a bunch of like pea fowl, it, like just strutting around loose and they start to like chase after one of the peacocks, right? They get like really distracted. We see just a flutter of feathers as you're like chasing them down, trying to <laughs> not distract them, right? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Until the two of you end up in, I think, a stretch of like rather dark and dingy hallway that smells a little damp, like it's kind of close to being underground and you haven't seen a balcony in quite a while. I, I think we're getting closer, but this isn't anywhere near the med ward. Hmm. Maybe that's on purpose. And for, I, I think I also give Bud a treat just for like the good job he's done. Thank you. I mean, I deserved it. I take back my thank yeah. you. You do. I couldn't have done this without you. You oh. did good. Oh, well, thank you. And I take that back. <laughs> um, and I think the two of us will just uh, explore further into this hallway. Okay. Yeah, uh, Gentle, I think you and Bud continue to creep down this hallway as the shadows grow longer and longer, and the number of windows begins to dwindle uh, as you start to go downstairs and sort of curve deeper into the belly of the Iron Citadel. And on the two of you, I think, rounding a corner and disappearing, uh, we are going to cut to Jaron in the tapestry room. Jaron has been spending quite a lot of time in the tapestry room when they're not pacing the corridors of the citadel and when they're not preoccupied by the group's activities that's where you can find him and he is sitting cross-legged on the ground staring up at these rings as he has been for the past few days looking at each one in turn trying hoping desperately to catch another glimpse of Oka, of Sitlali, of Mercy, anybody really. And as they're sitting there in their hands, they have some thread that they had asked somebody from the Citadel to provide for him. And he is weaving, I think, like just a little, uh, little piece in his hands. No needles. He's using his fingers as needles, I think, specifically, because doing that makes the process slower and that helps steady his mind as they are sitting here staring. And their eyes will occasionally flit over to the tapestry, the tapestry that is constantly weaving and unweaving itself, different versions of the same story repeating over and over in front of them, and they keep staring at that missing spot where Sen's wheel should be and isn't. And they sit there, their heart beating so fast that they swear that if if Oka does in fact show up in any of these rings that they would be able to hear it. I think it is in this state that V finds you. I think uh, V is probably walking by the door that Jaron entered. It's like wide open and Jaron's sitting there. And V at this point is actually very well put together, surprisingly, considering her state a few days ago. Um, She's done up in her full Paragon regalia. Uh, she looks, whether or not this is how she really feels, she looks bright and chipper. And 
because Jaron is starting to become a little attuned to the weave, Jaron might be able to feel a little bit V doing this thing that she does as her sort of daily practice of like the weave is coursing through her and she's purposefully moving it through her as a way of as a formal practice as a way of getting her her energy going and um, she sees Jaron she stops and she watches for a moment a few moments see what he's doing what he's looking at before she enters Jaron what are you doing right now? Jaron's back is to you at first. So I think when you come in, you sort of just see him like hunched over almost, uh, d- presumably doing something with their hands, occasionally looking up at the rings at the tapestry. And when you enter, I think they do feel just the tiniest bit, just a little bit of that weave tightening around a space behind them. And as you speak, they turn their head V, what are you doing here? I'm just uh, watching, I guess. Watching these, what are these rings? These, this is what you were talking about with these rings and and that that's the tapestry you were talking about. Yeah, this is it. And Jaron kind of like points up towards the part of the tapestry that is incomplete and that is like constantly shifting. And it's not done. I think V like looks at all the symbols on it and and sees because V is at this point been has seen some of these markings of some of the other, you know, gods from their t- other adventures. She's like doing the math. The one that's missing, it's um is it, uh, she's like struggling to remember because she's so terrible at this. Sen's. Sen is missing. Which is Oka. Which is Oka. And you're here waiting for it? I think Jaron pauses in their weaving, in their hands, and they their body stills. I think... This is when Jaron like turns around to face V. They don't stand up, but they just like turn their body. I need to know. I need to know when it happens. And that's the only reason you're here. I saw Oka in one of these rings. Gentle saw them too when we were here last. I guess part of me is hoping that maybe they will come back through again it's okay hold on so you you saw them and V is looking at all the rings and these all seem to be way that they seem to all be the citadel there's and I think V finally says out loud there's nothing here that looks like Jukai no but I saw them which means that they were here somehow some way and we haven't heard from them or from anyone for weeks now true we haven't doesn't seem like scrying or writing has gotten through to them I just need to know that's all what are you doing in here anyway I'm getting myself ready I have to it's been long enough I should probably talk to Tiran, my father soon Jaron's gaze looks over at V at that 
and they consider V's attire. They take in that V is prepared, looks the part, looks ready. Does it seem like V actually feels ready on the inside? Like, how much of a front is this, V? Is this going to be an inside deception roll? Is that is that what's about to happen? So. I think so. I think so. Okay. I got a nine. Well, you're going to have to do better than that because I rolled a 27. <laughs> Deception. I super don't know what's going on with V right now. <laughs> yeah, as okay, far as Erica. you can tell, she seems as confident and bright as bushy-tailed as you've ever seen her. In that case, I think Jaron looks at V, sees that she seems oddly put together, oddly composed, your father's going to ask you to do something to try and become a draconic mage. Try to become a draconic mage. And how do you know this? He wanted to talk to me. That's an interesting choice. An interesting I choice. I so too. The process, V, is dangerous and could... If it goes wrong, you could turn into a monster, a beast. And if it goes right, well, then you become a draconic mage. And with this, V takes a moment to consider all of this. And you're supposed to try and convince me to do it? No, your father seems pretty convinced that you will try regardless. I'm supposed to convince you to trust him. Apparently, that might be the deciding factor between whether or not it works. Well, you've had some alone time with my father. Do you trust him? He seemed sincere. He seemed like he really does care about you, despite everything. And like he really does want to help this time. I can't quite put together why now and why not back then. But no, V. I don't trust him, and I don't think you should either. Well, looking at me here, do I seem ready to you? You do. You look better than I've seen you for weeks now. Perhaps the best you've ever looked. Can I tell you a secret then? You trust me with one. Can I? I hope so. And I think with this, V lowers herself onto her knees beside Jaron. I'm so unbelievably tired of all of this. All of this. Not just my father, not just the stranger. I'm talking about being tired of being alone and trying my best to survive by constantly putting myself in danger all of my life. And, you know, talking to my father, he's lived 15,000 years. If I have 15 more thousand, if I have that much time that I'm doing this, I don't want to live that life. I'm exhausted, Jerron. I'm so tired of it, and I don't... Just, I don't want to lie. I don't want to spin the truth. I don't want to be 
that person who can talk her way through everything. I just want people to be honest with me, and I want to be honest with them at this point. Jaron sets down the threads that he had been working with, and if V will allow it, they will take her hands in theirs. I think V, there's a moment of hesitation, and then V sort of like breathes and sort of gives her hands to Jaron to hold. V, you are not alone. You might have been at one point in your life, but you're not now. You have the other paragons, but beyond that, you have us as well. And I have to believe that people can change. I have to believe that people can change. So if that's what you want, if you don't want to lie anymore, if you want to tell the truth, I think that's a choice you get to make. Can you show me something? What do you want to see? Can I go inside of your mind? What do you want to see? The truth. Okay. And I think Jaron will feel the weave that is churning so greatly in V slowly through their hands, their joined hands, sink into Jaron as V casts Detect Thoughts. And you just hear so gently in your mind V's voice nudging your memories and your thoughts towards show me what happened with Adam and Ravi in you. And V sees it, everything. V sees Jaron lie to the hounds about where they were going. V sees Jaron sneaking into the chrysalis, going to the basement, going past the empty monsters, seeing Adam. V also sees the vision that Adam showed Jaron, the one that convinced him to take this deal. And all the rest of it, the subsequent lying, the curse, what that felt like, the dream, stabbing Oka, and finally, Ravi's death. There's this moment of swirling through all these images, and you also just hear, can I show you something of my memories? Drawn knots. And V does what she did with Rev, taking Jaron through that moment of seeing Sievert in the gambling parlors, the romance, and it's all so very fast because this is this is the easy part of the romance, the countless nights of Sievert and and V wrapped into each other in bed, the betrayal in Jukai, where Sievert left V to be caught, killed, whatever, murdered, shows the office in Dabathati where Seaver tried to kill V in that fight and burning down that office all of a sudden there's a hotel room in Rosso and seeing Seaver and V fighting is Seaver's trying to get V's blood she's trying to get get away but grab the vial and get herself out of there as quickly as possible again while setting the room on fire and then the fight outside the citadel all this fire and then that moment of seeing that icicle go through Seaver's body 
and just you can feel V's heart dropping within you, Jaron, as as Sievert s- sort of slumps down to the ground, and then you find yourself with V's face in front of you again in the tapestry room, the rings around, buzzing. Sievert was important to you. There was a time where he was all I had. I don't know what I would have done in your position, V. If somebody that I loved like that did that to me, I don't know that I would have made it. For that, I think you're stronger than I am. For what it's worth, Jaron, what you did, going to Adam, to lying, to putting people's lives in danger, that probably that got someone killed. I've done that so many times in my life, over and over and over again. Because me surviving was the most important thing. At least we don't have to carry these memories and thoughts alone anymore. Jaron squeezes V's hands a little bit tighter in their own. Don't trust your dad. It's not worth it. There's a moment of pause as V thinks about it. And there's a return squeeze. And then V starts to stand up. And as they get, as their hands are their part, uh, their hands just sort of slowly unfurl from each other. And they return to V's side. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll probably just toss a coin before I walk into his room. But Reskin Ward, right? I know no other way. I hope you're there when I need you. He leaves Jaron to look at the room. And V, on you leaving, I think, Jaron, there's a beat of you alone in this room, just staring at the like whirling hallways, that fluttering, chaotically weaving and unweaving tapestry. And I think you can feel like I mean, the two of you just peered into each other's consciousnesses. In a way, you parse each other's souls, almost. And there's like a lingering echo memory of V's presence in your mind, even as her footsteps recede down the hallway and out the door and disappear. You sort of still feel her presence linger. And then that presence splits into two and continues to linger, almost like a swirling eddy in the wake of a storm. And before Scott and Nectus leave you completely you hear their voices ring in your head and Scott says to you Jaron that was a big risk you took back there wasn't it and Nectus chimes in soft as a summer breeze to Scott's hardness I hope the payoff was worth it and they're gone V we find you in Tyrion's office. A different one. Not the one where he told you about the Thousand Year War. Not the one that he met Jaron in, but a completely different office. This one seems a lot more laid back, a lot more casual. Less paper, more play. 
Uh, there's sort of like a lounge area toward the back, a vast balcony that could fit easily like 50, 100 people of this place where milling with guests and entertainment. You see like two stages, like one small stage for maybe a single performer and a slightly larger stage um, up against kind of like a, like almost like a holographic translucent sort of like rounded background with like various lights. And I think like mirages like swimming and floating past it. I think the the crown jewel of this office, let's say lounge, uh, is kind of like a central, it seems almost like a dance floor uh, with this like beautiful polished wood like tile on the ground uh, and these various, like this like bar counter area with like tons of kinds of like drinks behind the counter as well as like different kinds of little foods and snacks that you can choose from. And you, I think, uh, well, your father at least is sat in one of the pits uh, gouged into the floor, uh, lounging against like a, a wide sofa, and is gesturing for you to take a seat next to him if you so please. V's gonna look at the uh, setting and be like, ooh, this is my kind of place, and we're gonna say she struts over there. She's, 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 she's feeling this. She's, this is the life she's always wanted it for herself, and now finally has. Mm. So... She's, yeah, she's going to go down and sort of, I imagine there's like a little step down into this pit hole and, yes. um, is there like a, did you say like there's a, any type of bartender or someone to, for a drink or? Uh, this place is completely empty. It's just the two of you, but I think he sees you eyeing like the bar area, area and he says, oh, I can whip you up something if you'd like. And he snaps his fingers and you see like, I think a kind of juice come out of like an ice box and another kind of juice come out of another ice box, just like floating like off the shelves. You know the uh, the spell uh, Unseen Servant? I believe that's what it's called nowadays. Uh, I'm not. I've. I need to get me that kind of spell. I've. I've never seen that kind of work. Oh, one of my mentees actually uh, invented the spell. It was called something else back then, but we figured it was much better to just let magic help us in our research and carry our books and whatnot than getting people to do it. But pros and cons to using magic versus manpower. What kind of a drink would you like? Would you like a, maybe like an apple, pineapple juice, grape, cranberry? Ooh, uh, uh, like a nice cranberry would be really good right now. Nice crisp cranberry coming up. And you see like a red, I think, like bottle uh, come out of like an icebox and start to pour over some like ice cubes in like a nice little glass. And the glass sort of floats over across the room and sets down in front of you. Yeah, and I think V just sort of, like, sits down in this pit as well and, like, sort of, uh, yeah, puts her feet out, like, stretches out, takes up space, takes up space as she grabs her drink and... Actually, you know what? She doesn't go reach forward to grab the drink. She uses Mage Hand, her good friend Mage Hand, to come grab the drink and bring it closer to her. Mmm, I like that. It lifts up and, like, comes towards you and you just smell, like, the crisp, like, sour, but also sweet cranberry wafting off of the surface. And as you look at your father... Jaron didn't notice this earlier because I don't think Jaron has been in close proximity with Tyrion for a very long time, but you have. Compared to the last time you spoke with Tyrion, he's... he's glowing. Not literally, uh, but there is like a healthy kind of ebullient hail aura about him. Kind of like you right now, uh, that wasn't there before. He doesn't look physically different, like he's not like more muscular or anything like that. Um, but his vibe, for lack of a better word, like his aura seems sturdier, almost like healthier, right? Almost like a, like a diamond that's been polished to reveal clear light filtering through its facets. Visanti, you look well. 
you please, 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 all my friends, they call me V. I'm, I know I'm your daughter, but I'm your friend too. You can call me V. V? Well, I mean, Paya did name you after my sister, Visanti, and she, she never went by V. But if, if that's what you want, if that's what you want, uh, I can call you V. Well, I've been going, well, gosh, how long has it been? 90, I mean, let's be honest, I've been, I've gone by Victoria, Vicky, Wendy, I've, I've had so many names, Vida, I've had so many V names, but it's just shorten it down to V, why, well, let's cut to the point, a short, nice, crisp V, just like this, this wonderful crisp drink here. Ah, great, okay, all right, V it is, V it is, I'll be the last person to uh, not call you what you want me to call you by, V, my darling daughter. Apple, uh, cranberry of my eye. I think V, like, chuckles at this this obvious weird joke of cranberry instead of apple of the eye. So, um, wow, do I feel like I've... Your your staff here makes as I feel so much better. I, um, I'm sure you know, so I was a little, uh, going through some stuff after Sievert, uh, met an untimely end, or maybe not so untimely, but, uh... I'm feeling so much better now. I'm glad to hear it. Yes, you know, let's um let's talk about the Tarasque in the room, shall we? Sievert. Uh how are you uh how are you holding up? Well, that is a complicated question. Uh it's was a long time coming of me trying to put him back in his place after what he's done to me and he's tried many times over the last year to put me out and I've tried to put him out so it just feels like a chapter of my life is finally closed and I can mm. move on to some bigger and better business which is my father before me well I'm glad to hear it V uh I know that my relationship with Sievert wasn't exactly <laughs> like the relationship he had with you, thank goodness, huh? but, um... <sighs> I drew no pleasure from killing him, V. It was, uh... <sighs> he betrayed me as well. He betrayed my trust, and I think I can empathize with you over that. He killed... He killed the one person <laughs> on this realm who might have been able to understand me in a way that no one else has ever been able to understand me for over 10,000 years, V. But now you're here, I'm not alone anymore. <laughs> and I don't want you to feel like you're alone anymore either. And Sievert, well, you know, up until the end, I... Really, I called him a friend, I did. But his jealousy, uh, that was always his greatest flaw, his jealousy. First, by poisoning him against me when, when it came to you, lying to me that you existed in the way you did, that you were my daughter. That jealousy that first poisoned the well has only, I think, grown. And now taking out Tombo, well, a pity, a pity. But let's drink to new beginnings, no? Yes, yes, let's... Drink to new beginnings, and may we go forth with only those whom we trust. Well said. And he clinks his uh, glass, I think, of, like, whiskey against yours and takes a sip. Speaking of trust, I had an interesting conversation with uh, 
Uh, what's his face, Jaron? Before. Uh... Ah, yes, yes. Oh, is that is that uh, is that so? How did it go? What did he uh, want to talk to you about? Well, he was very forthcoming that he had a conversation with you, and uh, he told me about me fulfilling my ability to transform into a draconic form and how it could be the best thing for all Vendake if I trusted you and put my trust in your hands to help me realize my full magic potential. He said all that, didn't he? I'm happy to hear that. Well, to me, he, he's wordy. He was a little wordier than that, and, you know, I don't particularly trust him, so there's a little me, uh, yelling at him in there and saying some colorful things, but, uh, you know, we we said what we had to say. I see. Well, I must be honest here, transparent, I did have a talk with Jaron, and I did try to, um, well, I thought that maybe, you know, I can tell we're not, uh, we're not fully there yet. Father and daughter, we're not quite, we're not on the same wavelength quite yet. The son, V. And I figure that maybe hearing my good intentions through a friend, maybe not a friend, uh, a colleague, who, uh, who you trust, who you, mm, who you respect, might, uh, affect, perhaps, your feelings about me. You're my father. I've been waiting to find you for 111 years now. Sure, I have some complicated feelings, you know? Uh, it would have been nice to see you when the only person I had in my life, my mother, was dying. But we all have regrets, do we not? I've got regrets, you've got regrets, Jerron has regrets, everybody has regrets. It's, it's fine. This is something we can work through. Um, and from what I've understood, from what Jerron told me, is that I have to trust you at the highest level if I am to realize my full potential. Yes. That's, um, yes, that is why I wanted to talk to you. I'm glad Jaron briefed you a little bit about, uh, this conversation. We can expedite things. As I mentioned to you earlier in the week, as Jaron mentioned to you maybe a day ago, earlier an hour ago, I don't, well, time, am I right? And as I'm going to tell you now, uh, I can teach you how to unlock your ability to shift. It's, it's a game changer. There's no other way to put it. It is, it's a marvelous sight to behold. And you're not just uh, a scion of one of the most gifted draconic mages that's ever lived. Again, not to toot my own horn, I'm just saying facts here. Uh, you are, you are a paragon. You have a, you have God shard within you. That, I have never ever witnessed a draconic mage shift with the power of a god within them. You could literally change the tides of war against the stranger. That's what you want, isn't it, V? That's what I want. I want... I want a future with you in it. I don't want you and your friends and the god shards to die for... for nothing. For nothing. For the stranger to just come back in one, two, three thousand years and ruin it all. No, that's not what I want. I want Andake to thrive. I I don't want to destroy Andake. If you're worried about some nefarious greater motivation that I harbor, please believe me when I say it's not to end the world. How trite is that? How... I'm not interested in that. I want Andake to be... to be this utopia. 
Remember the utopia we were talking about earlier in the week? The day Sievert died, when I told you about my sister or about the war? That's what I, I want. I remember, and after this is all over, this would be a wonderful time for the people of Indake to come together and maybe pursue, instead of eight separate things, maybe we could be a one unified world. But what if, I'm now this is just a what if, I'm just asking, if I say no, what then? Tyrion sort of raises his eyebrows, looks down at his drink, settles back in his chair, lets out a big breath. I can't force your hand, Vissan V. If you, um, if you don't want to try to awaken the draconic mage within you, I won't make you. But I, I need you to know, Visanti. I told this to Duran, but I don't know if it fully got through to him. I, I was there during the first stranger war. I saw the, there's nothing I can compare it to, V. The power that the stranger has, it's beyond, it's beyond godhood. That's the only way I can put it. It's not, um, gods can die, Visanti. The gods can be slain. It is true. There are hmm, myths about it. The stranger, it, it wasn't even divinity. It was a, it was like a law of the universe. There's no other way to describe it. It was, I can't quite put it in words, but it's the power that the Paragons had in the past was not enough to defeat her. They failed. V, your predecessors failed. I watched them fail. The stranger wasn't defeated. She left for what reason I cannot conceive. And now she's coming back. And the Paragons this time around, I'm sorry to say it, but you are even weaker than before. Because your gods are not whole. You have god shards within you, not even the full divinity channeled through your souls. I mean, short of bringing the after back, short of bringing the beyond back, we don't have... We don't have a chance in hells against the stranger. And even so, the best thing we could hope for is to just kick her down the line to the next batch of sorry paragons and, what, trap Endake in an eternal cycle of apocalypse over and over and over again, getting by the skin of our teeth? That doesn't sound like a utopia to me. That doesn't sound like victory. V thinks about this for a long time, and uh, I think while... Turan, Turan was talking. Um, I think V just kind of pulled out like a gold piece and um, is just like flipping it back and forth between like. Uh, it's, it's like a Nabali's coin. It's not. I would assume it's it's not like a full heads and tails situation, but there is like one side that's distinct and the other side is. And um, I think after a moment of silence, V says, So, what if I flip you for it? That is very Scott and Nectus of you, V. But you know what? I'm always up for a good gamble. Heads you join me, tails you don't. And you'll let me walk right out of here with my friends if it's tails? Just like that, huh? You don't want to spend more time with your old man? And there's something in his face that looks genuinely hurt. 
It isn't that I wouldn't love to spend more time with you. I have friends out there risking their lives to get what is needed for us to do what we have to do. I have my friends who are here and we've all got things to do and a very, very short time to do it. But I know where you live now. I would assume that you would let me come back if I leave. I wouldn't. I would hope this wouldn't be forever if I left. If it's Tails, V, I have just one request. I haven't been entirely forthcoming with you. Uh, I was going to wait to show this to you uh, until you joined my side. But knowing that you not joining my side is a very distinct possibility, 50% chance of that happening, I'd like to just get it out there. Um, there is a uh, place in the Citadel I want to show you. But let's, uh, let's, let's flip that coin first. And I'm actually going to do, like, heads is evens, tails is odds. Oh my god, okay, go for it. It's even. So it's heads? Yeah. <laughs> Are you? You can keep the result, or you can try to fiddle with it as the coin spins through the air. You are a magician. I think V fiddled with it to make it heads. To join him? <gasps> yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. The coin ding, sort of like flips through the air and like both of your eyes go up as it just spins, 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 and then it hits the table and spins on its side. Until it lays flat and we see that it's heads. And you see a big smile break across Tyrion's face as he's like hunched over it, watching intently, and then looks up at you. Huh? Well, the fates have spoken. Father and daughter, arm in arm. Risk and reward, risk and reward. Beautiful. Well, then I suppose this won't be a goodbye present I want to show you. This will be a welcome home present I'd like to. I'd like to, um, will you come with me, V? lead the way and V like springs up onto her feet and Tyrion gets up and leads you out of the office slash lounge and on like the door I think swinging we are going to cut to gentle gentle you're making your way down this kind of almost like dungeon-like area of the Iron Citadel. Like every part of this place feels like a, a different kind of like castle. You know what I mean? This is definitely like the, the dungeon, right? Um, you sort of see like these like flickering shadows <laughs> against like the rock walls. There's sort of like a spiraling staircase that for a flash of a moment reminds you of like the stairs leading down into the basement of the chrysalis just for like half a second. And then that like memory is gone. And then you sort of like hit like a landing. It's just kind of like a dark hallway that smells very chemically. Like this place is like that. Like the air is just really acidic and acrid with like all sorts of a chemical poultices. And like Bud pauses and you see like his big wet nose crinkles. Ah! Oh, there's so many gross smells down here. Ugh. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Uh, I think I can still smell it through all the other smells though. Oh, but there's a lot of gross smells. Okay, if you need to turn back at any moment, that's okay. No, 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 we're so close. We're so close. Uh, I think it's, uh, I think it's here. And, like, Bud just sort of, like, takes a direction and goes. I, I follow, I trust him. 
There's no one down here, like, at all. Uh, it's almost kind of eerie. It's just the two of you. And you, like, walk past various doors. Uh, just, like, wooden and stone doors on either side that are just closed. That Bud pauses at some of them and sniffs, but then, like, shakes his head and keeps going, right? And it's almost like a maze-like situation down here, right? You're gonna have to, like, track and, like, remember in your head, like, the, the way to get back to the stairs to go back up. Uh, and you see various other staircases sort of, like, in various corners. Like, this very much feels almost like a maze-like dungeon with various doors. Uh, I think it's here. Uh, uh, here! And Bud just kind of stops abruptly in front of a random wooden door. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's in here. I try, if I, I, if I can, can I investigate just the the door and the surrounding door areas, just to make Go sure for there's it. nothing here. I'm famously not good at this, so let's see how well Gentle can do. Just what I thought a seven. Seems like a plain wooden door with a knob and a keyhole. Okay. Um, Bud, uh, stand a little back just in case anything goes wrong. Uh, okay. And Bud backs off. But it's definitely in there. We should go in. Okay. Um, I'll try the knob first. It is locked. Okay. How breakable is this door? With your seven investigation, it seems like a regular door, right? So you're like, you could probably just apply some force by the lock and just bust it open. Exactly what I was, was thinking about. Um, yeah, I would like to do that. Make a athletics check if you're going to brute force it down. Famous, famous for my strength I am. That was a 23. Uh, it doesn't open. You hit it with one finger and you encounter a lot more force than you expected. You hear like the wood creak and groan, but based on like your 23, it doesn't open and it doesn't break. You get the sense that there are a lot more locks behind this door uh, than its humble outside would suggest. Maybe like huh. several steel bolts and chains. Uh, I think the inventor will just try to one like big hit sort of spread across. So you can sort of just one big push. Okay, uh, make an attack roll. Just one? As as many as a flurry of blows perhaps can get you, depending on how many attacks you want to make. I mean, right, that's a normal. door, it's not going to dodge, so you can wail on it okay. as much as you want. Well, a normal gentle attack roll is about four hits, so. 14, 14, 16, and 25. Okay, I'm not even gonna have you roll damage. You bam, 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 hit it. And with every blow, the door like shakes. And I think some dust like sort of comes off from the frame, like as you hit it, like like pebbles, like rain down from the ceiling above you. Boom, boom, boom. And finally, bam, you like knock the door off its hinges and like into the interior of this chamber. And Bud very eagerly surges forward, like by your feet, sort of like weaving wetly around you, like very excited um, as both of you see a lab. Kind of just like a plain looking, like regular, like alchemical lab, right? You see like um, Bunsen burners, right? And like little vials, little baubles filled with stuff, you know, like little like tubes and whatnot, like connecting things. And there's like things like currently bubbling, like liquids of various colors and like a desk with a bunch of notes on it. The smell's coming from in here. Hmm. Like I said, be, be alert just in case. Um, last time I was in a room alone, uh, it kind of exploded, so I don't want you to get hurt. Oh. I guess spending time with Gentle might get me exploded, but spending time with Sybil gets me... treats? Gentle will politely and pointedly ignore that. 
<clears throat> I said spending time with Sybil gives me treats. Do you want a treat to not get blown up? I feel like that's equivalent exchange. Yes, if we're in an alchemy lab. Okay. Gentle will give Bud a treat. <laughs> and like preoccupied with the treat, Bud stops <laughs> being snarky. As you take a minute to like take in this room, it's not super big, maybe only the size of like a regular office, not like Tyrion's huge lavish lounges. And the door frame behind you that you sort of blew open, sure enough had a bunch of like locks on the inside, like a ton. Huh. They really don't want anyone to see what's in here. Uh, <laughs> right, he's still eating the tree. Shh. Not, not too loud, just in case. Okay. Um, and Bud, or and Gentle will uh, walk in and sort of investigate the place. Uh, roll investigation, maybe like on the desk and the vials and whatnot. Oh, thank you. Uh, 19. Cool. So, looking at the various like vials and alchemical implements, you sort of like follow, like, I think it, it's almost like a filtration process. It's to make or like refine some sort of substance that starts with from like several, it has several different ingredients like pouring in from like maybe like seven or eight different sources of like different vials and like crushed materials and stuff like that. They all sort of like filter through this tube and like get caught through like a, a, a sieve, right, to refine it. And like a little, like it finally goes down to like a drippy thing and like the drippy thing like drips into like a smaller vial. I am not a scientist, so I'm just like imagining like maybe what Gentle might be seeing because I assume Gentle's also not a scientist. So like the drippy well, thing. As like an herbalist and uh, healer, I might understand at least the basic principles of what I'm seeing of yes. concoctions. Yes, then there's a combination happening here and a purification process uh, that generates a final substance at the end of the process. And the final substance is like currently being tirated into like a, a single sort of like glass vial. And you recognize the substance as the one that you pulled out of Tama's body. And looking at the notes as well, you see like a scrawled, like most of it is like scrawled alchemical compounds of creating, um, you see sort of like the chemical breakdown of the substance that's in Tamba's body. Huh. And as you continue to flip through it, because like this could be like, maybe they're like researching the substance, trying to reverse engineer it or something like to, to form like an antidote. Uh, as you flip through it, you see notes written in a really like messy, scrawled Morosi. Do you, you read Morosi? Yeah, cause you're Morosin, okay. That is, what, uh, that is the one I can. Yeah, <laughs> well you're in luck, it's in Morosi. Uh, and it reads like, um, it's like a test log. Day one, subject resisted heavily. Day two, subject seems to take better. Day three, subject induced into coma. Day four, coma sustained. Day five, coma sustained. Day six, coma sustained. Day six, footnote one, dosage increased as requested. And as you're sort of like standing there, like looking at all of these notes, about the poison inside Tamba, and like Bud's still sort of chomping away at the treat. What's your passive perception? Uh, 20. You hear footsteps coming down the hallway toward this door. And we are going to cut away from this scene and go to V and Tyrion. V. 
Tyrion is leading you very briskly. Like he doesn't even have to check. Like he knows the Citadel like the back of his hand, right? Like through like various corridors and hallways, upstairs, downstairs, etc. cetera. Uh, but he, you get the sense that he's kind of le- leading you almost in like a circular motion towards some sort of bottom central area of the Iron Citadel that you haven't been to before because all the corridors start to narrow and you realize that you're eventually like you're walking kind of a spiral downward. V is looking around also because V has experienced enough of the Citadel now to know how much things sort of change and, and, and alter. And like, I think V actually does say at one point, like, how do you get the Citadel to take you to the right place, considering things seem to always change here? Well, uh, if you take the history of the Citadel, my dear V, into consideration, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, this place was built during wartime uh, to withstand siege. Uh, Its halls are purposefully opaque. They change to befuddle intruders. And the Citadel itself, this entire place, this castle, is attuned to one lord. Did you know that? This whole thing counts as a single magical item. Isn't that fascinating? That is fascinating. So I I assume it's then attuned to you. Of course. Of course. Of course it is. Wow, fascinating. I could spend a long time in this place. You could spend years, V, decades in this place and still not find every single hidden chamber. I know it took me a long time to find them all myself. Well, I hope that when everything is said and done to spend many many of our years together here learning from you everything that the citadel holds it's quite amazing it is it is a beautiful work of art this entire place i'm so proud and happy to call it my home and to offer it as a home to my guests oh yes v uh, i hear from my sources well I heard from Sievert, uh, that you were looking for the Vault of Banur, no? <laughs> that was so long ago, but yes, that uh, that's actually what led me to the other Paragons, was looking... That's actually where I met Tomba for the first time, was looking for that. Wow. You met Tomba? What? Well, you're going to have to tell me that story some other time, because, whew, I really wish I met you earlier, Visanti. Maybe we could have... Maybe all of this could have been averted. But, uh, you know, a lot of people nowadays think that the Vault of Banu is just a myth, right? A big, a big chamber full of uh, the draconic mages uh, and the gigantic mages' greatest treasures. It does sound like a fable, no? It seems well too good to be true. Well, I can tell you right now, V, the only part of that tale that's a fable is... I don't know how this rumor began, but people say it's in the depths of the god spine. That's never been true. It's always been right here, in the heart of the capital of the gigantic mage's empire. Right here. And you reach like the bottom of a flight of stairs uh, in the middle of a huge, vast hallway that like feels almost like a throne room hallway, like gigantic, just huge vaulted uh, walls above you in these like beautiful archways, these massive pillars punching up. And at the end of this huge hallway, you see like a huge circular iron door. (laughs) Beetle audibly laughs, all of that work all the 
rumors all of the wasted dead ends. And it was right here all along. Of course it was. But there's something else that everyone else got wrong about the Vault of Banua, too. Please, come, come, come. Let me sh- This is a momentous moment. I've always- Well, I guess ever since I realized you existed, I've dreamed of the moment of showing this to you, my daughter, my scion. And he, like, starts to walk toward that door. Do you follow? I think V is going- I think she's going to cast Chromatic Orb. Just like sort of juggle around as if it was like a contact juggle ball. Um, and just as if it's casual. And she's doing that so that she can... There's just already the semblance of the weave around her. And she's just going to kind of ask deep down within her, uh, Scott and Nectis, are you like ready for this? Are you there? Uh, you... You feel your god shard, I think, ripple in response to you, but they, it, it takes it takes them a while to get going. It's not like you can just sort of like look down and talk to them. It seems very like conditional uh, based on where you are uh, and what's happening to you, whether or not your god shards will respond to you. Uh, but you feel them there. They begin to bristle. They begin to respond, but they don't quite yet uh, say anything. And as you walk with chromatic orb, like threading between your fingers, following Tyrion, he goes on to say, Ah, yes, yes, uh, the other thing that people always get wrong about the vault is the contents of the vault. V. It's not, um, piles and piles and piles of treasure, or gold, or jewels, or anything like that. It's something much, much more valuable. You've got all of my attention, Father. And he turns to look at you, at the door of the vault now almost like a huge halo behind him, right? This, like, massive circular door. <sighs> it's a graveyard. It's the place... It's the place where that final confrontation I told you about happened. Right here. I wanted to bring you down here to show you the end of our people. The end of our civilization as we knew them. These halls, they used to be stained with blood. I remember it like it was yesterday. The clang of steel on steel, the gushing of air, the roaring of thunder and fire and ice, and the vault. This place where the gigantic queens and their best mages hid as their final warriors were slain by us. We broke down this door, and then it was bloodshed. <clears throat> and he sort of like clears his throat and like pulls himself out of this reverie, out of this memory, and looks back at you. I want to open up this vault and show you the interior of it, V. And I want that place to be where we train. What do you say? The, uh sort of sucks back in the chromium or back into her body you just see the weaves like sort of just glow into her veins up her arm and then just like dissipate i could think of no better place to unlock all of my power than in the home where our ancestors lie <laughs> smart girl you feel it too don't you how much thicker the magic is down here and it's true, V. The weave, every step you take closer to the vault, the weave 
is like tightening and tightening and tightening. It feels ancient, like old, like threads pulling at your body. And Scott and Nectis seem to be affected by it as well. As like the weave sort of like pushes through you, uh, you sort of feel Scott and Nectis like bubble up and broil and like almost like a nostalgic fervor seems to seize them as they start to remember this as well. He feels all this and like takes in a breath. It is an incredible feeling being around this much power. And all this power, V, will one day be yours. And Tyrion turns, throws his arms out, and he speaks in Ba. Like he says like a single word, almost like a slithering kind of like, and like, you like hear the like cranking of like wheels sort of go and like a groaning as you hear just like this massive vault door starts to just sort of spin and rotate uh, and swing open to reveal the interior of the vault of Banua. This episode of The Second Stranger was edited by Connie Chong. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and ExplainTrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out ExplainTrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon Paragons. Alex, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Lyle and Peanut, Purple Mouse, Riley, Scruffisus, and Target.